0: Well, good morning, everybody. It is, it is wonderful to be with you. If we haven't met before or you're new today, you're incredibly welcome. Uh, my name's Stuart, I'm, I'm the vicar here. And um, I actually wasn't supposed to be speaking this morning. Um, uh, John, uh, Brown, uh, John Wilson, um, not John, Brown, who's <laughs> at the back there, uh, who is one of our uh, vicars in training on placement here, was supposed to be speaking this morning. And, uh, uh, and and he would have been awesome uh, to come, but I got a text in the week uh, that he, he caught the dreaded COVID, so that's a bit of a nightmare. But he would have been great, because if you haven't met him before, you should. He is uh, him and his family have been missionaries in Hungary for the last 15 years, um, and he's here to training, and he's about to go back uh, to lead what will be the only Anglican church in Hungary uh, very soon. So he would have been great to talk on this, this topic, um, but alas, you have me. Um, but the Lord is good, and uh, God's... Uh, God's words here, Jesus' words here, are are, are going to speak to us this morning. So will you pray with me? Lord, uh, you are good. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you you do know us, you love us, and it's your heart to bless us this morning. And as we come to your words, would you, by your Spirit, speak to each and every one of us where we are today? And would you be with me as I speak as well? Amen. So, So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gulp, (laughs) squirm. What's going on here? Everyone ready for a bit of uh, diving in the the warm fuzzies of uh, hating your family and uh, becoming homeless for the sake of Jesus and uh, yeah. So why why are we looking at this this morning? Great, great question. Um, we want to be Christians, followers of Jesus, who are fruitful who bear fruit in our lives for, for God. And actually in a few weeks' time, we're going to be uh, looking at that topic, particularly uh, uh, we're going to be looking at some of our vision for, for next year, what we think God's called us to. And in the run-up to that, we are, um, we're doing this little mini-series on, on how to be fruitful. Jesus knows us really, really well. And in the parable of the, of the sower, he talks about how God's word goes out and it lands on all kinds of different soil. And uh, he, he particularly picks out the third soil. Uh, he, he talks about Christians who are trying to follow Jesus. They are following Jesus, but for one reason or another, they, they just aren't very fruitful. Their fruitfulness is choked by thorns. And he picks out on these three things that commonly bogs us down. He talks about the desire for wealth, the distraction of worry, and the prioritization of pleasure. And so we're kind of asking, okay, we want to be fruitful Christians. How can we navigate our way so these things don't bog us down? How can we be fruitful? And uh, last week we looked at worry, and this week we're going to look at comfort and and pleasure. Um, And the question we're kind of asking ourselves this morning from this passage is, where is comfort getting between me and the call of Jesus on my life? That's just a simple question. Where is comfort getting between me and following Jesus today? So should we should we dive right in into our passage? Maybe you've got it in front of you. And the first thing to notice in our passage is it begins by telling us that there were loads of people following Jesus. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Uh, Jesus this is the part of his ministry where he was most popular sometimes we think of Jesus as kind of rejected and nobody liked him but actually at the beginning of his ministry thousands of people were following him he he was the he was the in thing everybody wanted him to come and talk in their town you know he had like a million twitter followers everyone was but what's he saying what's he doing uh he was really really popular and uh, then we're told, all of these people following him, seemingly the world that is in his hands, he turns around and he gives this really hard teaching to them. And he talks about hating your family, he talks about carrying your cross, he talks about building a tower, fighting a king, and giving up your possessions. Why on earth would Jesus turn to all of these prospective followers People who are interested in following him and, and give these provocative statements, that we're going, that's what we're going to look at today, go through them. So the first one, he begins with this, "Is whoever does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. I don't know about you, when you first read that, you're like, sorry, come again? Like, what? It is is the Jesus that I really know and love, the one who kind of restored the broken and invited, did he, did he just say that, really? You know? So I was like, okay, back in vicar school, um, they trained me to go and look at the manuscripts, the original manuscripts. Maybe there's been a mistake. I'll go and have a look, just see if he has me. Go and have a look. Maybe it's something a little bit more palatable, like it's fine to hate your mother-in-law or your twin brother who's really annoying or something like that. You know, maybe there's been a mistake. But of course, there hasn't been. Jesus did make this incredibly provocative statement. So what are, what are, we, what are we to make of it? Well, first of all, I think, I think we'd start off on the right foot by realizing that Jesus is probably trying to shock us. He's probably trying to get our attention. The crowds around him like, woohoo, follow Jesus. And he's trying to like say, hold on, think twice. And it's very unlikely that he means that we should literally... Hate our families. I just think I just need to say that out loud. First of all, because we see in the Gospels that Jesus loved his own family, and uh, we see even on the cross as he was dying, he speaks to uh, John the disciple and says, "Take my mother as your mother. Look after her." So we see that. But we also see Jesus saying elsewhere that we should love our enemies. <laughs> So even if your family turned out to be your enemies for one reason or another we're told to love our family. So maybe that's not what's going on here. But still let's not let's not dodge the punch that Jesus is throwing here. Let's let's ask what is he trying to say? Because Jesus is saying something quite hefty. He's saying he's calling for a radical reordering of our priorities. He's calling for a radical disavowal of our families, our kin as our primary allegiance in life. And if we find that hard, and I'm sure many of us are squirming about that, really, Um, if we find that hard in a society that's pretty individualistic, where the idea of family is really quite slimmed down, then imagine what it must have sounded like, you know, in first century Palestine, to people for whom, I mean, there was basically no way of conceptualizing yourself, no way of thinking about who you were except for your family, like who you were was your family tree, you know, and your and your wider family, and your family was your future and your identity, probably where you got your trade from, and it's like, how do you even begin to imagine yourself outside of your family. And not only that, they were, of course, um, avid followers of the the law, Old Testament law, and it's the fourth commandment. (laughs) Honor your father and your mother. What what is Jesus saying then? Would have been even more shocking to them than to us. So what's going on? Well, probably um, the best place to go, one of the most helpful places to go, is to Deuteronomy in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 9, um, uh, Moses is, is blessing the tribes of Israel. And uh, when he gets to Levi, uh, Levi is the father of all the priests. He's the father of the priestly family, those who served God most, most closely in the temple. And, he, and this is what he says of them. He says, he said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but Levi watched over your word and guarded your covenant. And in fact, he's referring to even there to another incident where um, the people of Israel were going wild, and and, and Moses says, who is for the Lord? (laughs) And Levi comes, and it comes at great cost. He has to leave his family. And and it's really interesting. Jesus is just slotting himself right in here. So like, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a priest of my covenant, if you want to be somebody who, who watches my word and, 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 and is one of my disciples, then that's how, that's how it's going to be. And in fact, interestingly, he's just very subtly putting himself, or not so subtly, in that place of God. He says, you need to choose me over everything else. So that's the first one, the first punch thrown Next, we move on. He says, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, again, imagine that you're in the crowd. Here is this up-and-coming rabbi, and rumor has it he might just be even the Messiah so maybe he's coming, and finally we've got some hope of being free of the Romans, the Roman oppression that's gone on for years. Finally we're going to have a leader who's going to lead the charge, and we, we might actually have a chance at being a free nation again. And you can imagine it, we there, you know, thousands of people, and they're sort of waving their Extinction Romanus uh, banners, they're tooting their, their vuvuzelas, it's like, it's, it's about to happen. It's so exciting. Jesus is going to lead our cause to victory. And then Jesus starts talking about the cross. Now, for us, like we're, you know, we've heard about the cross before. It, it means something different. It's hard not to sort of see it in light at the end of the story. So we think, cross, oh, what a lovely sign of God's love. Oh, it's just wonderful forgiveness. Isn't that great, the cross? But for them, they've been like, the cross? What? What are you talking about? For them, you know, Who who carried a cross? Only the person that the Romans were about to put to death. Only the person who was about to be humiliated, unexcruciatingly executed by the Romans, carried a cross. It wasn't a symbol of God's love for them. It was the symbol of Roman repression and of failure in many senses. In the light of that, and Jesus is saying, he's saying to these, these, these people, strange words from this up-and-coming uh, rabbi to say, you know, if you, if you want to follow me, <laughs> it might involve picking up your cross. And there's many things going on there, but I think one thing comes out clear. He's saying, if you want to follow me, this isn't going to end how you think it will. <laughs> this isn't going to end how you think it will. And I'm not just going to champion your cause. <laughs> You know, if you follow me, you need to be in this at the end, and it might lead down a road you don't want to. He certainly isn't, you know, promising his followers health and wealth and the empire. Quite the contrary, he says, it's, follow me is going to involve a cost, which segues really nicely onto what he says next. Who sets about to build a tower without first estimating the cost? Now, um, I don't know um, how much time you spend on the internet, um, but you might have discovered, there's really interesting, in China, uh, there are these ghost cities. I don't know if you've heard about this. Entire cities that have been left half finished because either they've run out of money or they just decided they're in the wrong place. It's absolutely um, sort of mix of fascinating and bizarre. So I've got a picture, a couple of pictures of um, this is an abandoned shopping mall. Billions and billions of dollars have gone into this shopping mall. And it's just, that's it. That's, it's finished, apparently. Or well, it's not, it's left half finished. And I don't know what you think, what, what kind of impression you get when you kind of see an image like this. It's kind of a mixture of kind of, what a waste. <laughs> but also, how embarrassing. How embarrassing. And that's just a small picture. Of what of what Jesus is talking about here, we can take those down. Because imagine if you were in a uh, uh, first-century uh, Palestinian Galilean town, and pretty much all the buildings were like one story. Maybe that someone's got a roof extension. How exciting! Uh, the posh guys at the other end of town, um, and you're like, right, everybody, small town, everybody knows your name. I'm going to build a tower, you know. Everybody would know, that's the guy building a tower. Yeah, he's building a tower. That's interesting. He's going to have a tower. And imagine if you just got, you built a foundation and you didn't get any further. How embarrassing. How, how, how you've been the joke of the town. And Jesus goes on. When, uh, which king wages war against another king without, with a, with a larger army without being sure that they can win? Um, I don't know how recently you've waged war against another king with a bigger army. I don't know what Jesus would have said if he'd been speaking today. Don't know, Maybe he would have said, uh, if you're playing, imagine you were playing a game of poker, okay? And uh, you, you've been having a good game, but the other guy's been having a better game. He's, be, he's been doing really well. And it's coming towards the end. And on the final hand, this guy you're playing just confidently goes all in. He just pushes all his chips into the middle. He's like looking at you. How stupid would you be to go all in against him without looking at your cards? What, what, you, how, what an idiot you'd be to go all in if you, did, if you didn't look and ask, what, do I have a chance of beating this guy? Because if, if you don't, much better to fold now and save your dignity and what left of the chips you've got. Now, you, you may not play poker, um, maybe for the rest, um, but, the point here is, is clear, isn't it, from both of those little parables. Have you counted the cost? Have you taken a, a hard look at yourself and asked, am I, willing, have I, am I willing to give up what it takes to go on this journey to follow Jesus? And then, you know, for those who are not tracking with Jesus, you know, they're, he's, they're not picking up what he's laying down still. Uh, and given what we know in the Gospels, that's like most of them, including the 12 disciples, he kind of comes up with this last final uh, nail in the coffin. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. And we have ringing in our ears the story a few chapters later where uh, a rich young man comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. And he says, oh, that's fine. Just sell everything, give it to the poor and come and follow me. But actually here, that's, that's not quite what he says. He doesn't say sell everything. He doesn't say give it to the poor. He, it's just much simpler. He says, are you willing to leave everything behind to follow me? And now, each of these statements, each of these things could have their own nuances, something that, that God is, Jesus is saying through them. I, 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 and, and they could be a sermon in their own right. But the cumulative effect of all of them is quite formidable. There's like one big point that's being made here. And, you know, in some sense, it's quite refreshing that Jesus is being so upfront and honest with us. You know, he's not trying to hide anything. He's not a a slick salesperson just trying to kind of pull the wool over our eyes. I mean, when was the last time uh, you got an email from a a mailing list that you were on that said, have you thought of unsubscribing? You know, or imagine if you went to John Lewis and you kind of went over and you're looking at and the lovely attendant came over and said, that's very nice, can you afford it though? Have you done any planning for, you know, what your budget is? I mean, that would be wonderfully refreshing, wouldn't it? Instead, they say, here's the finance options uh, to put yourself into debt. Um, well, actually, I don't know about John Lewis, but that's common. I don't want to defame anyone. Um, so in some sense, it's a breath of fresh air, isn't it? That Jesus is saying, have you, have you thought about this? Why, why is he doing this? Is he, is he because he's not interested in followers? No, no. We know that Jesus calls each and every one of us to follow him. He, he, he wants us to follow him. But I think he's saying it because he wants to be real with us. And he's saying that if you follow me, you will find, as you do over the days and the years, you'll find that you just keep coming to crossroads in life, where you have to choose Between continuing to follow me, or maybe something that you love, or something that's comfortable, or something that's easier. Life will just throw these things. You just come to a crossroads, and you've got to choose me again, or that. And if you don't decide from the beginning that you're in for the whole journey... If you, if you don't decide from the beginning that you, I'm going to keep saying yes, then you do run, run the risk of getting a long way down the road and finally something too big comes along and you bomb out. And it's such a waste. And, you know, we do see that. I see that. Um, and we're all at risk of it. Let's not be complacent. So where does that leave us today? Where does that leave us today? Well, first of all, I think we need to come back to that first verse. Large crowds were following Jesus because, actually, although we've looked at some of the difficult sayings of Jesus today, he is amazing. And all around these stories are stories of Jesus healing people and bringing life and and calling the broken and, uh, he, you know, it's just Following Jesus is amazing. Our God is a God who loves to bless. He is full of generosity. And, and following him and seeing his kingdom come, honestly, is the most joyful thing that you can do. And I'm sure so many of us in this room would say, life has been tough. Following Jesus has been tough. But boy, there's nothing more joyful than it. And so we have to kind of zoom out a bit and say, no, yes, following Jesus is good. And he, The point of this is not today to make us feel bad about all the good things God has given us or to feel sort of kind of embarrassed about all of that, or kind of be joyless Christians. That's that's not what it's about. But what Jesus is saying is don't let the cost choke your fruitfulness. Don't let the good things in life that God has given you get between you and the call of Jesus in your life. Or maybe to flip it the other way around, God's kingdom advances when God's people say yes to him Above all, above all other things. They say yes to him without reserve. And it's not hard to think of examples of this. Um, at Equip for Life, on Tuesday, we were interviewing Danny Driver, who's just become he's led a church plant uh, to Barnwell community over uh, in Cambridge. And with him have gone a whole bunch of people who have sold their homes or moved from where they were, all the nice neighborhoods in Cambridge, to Barnwell, Because they felt God called them to, and they're going to bless that community. And we interviewed him, and I love talking to him. Great stuff is happening there at the moment. And and it's just, it's really, really exciting. There's so much joy, but it came at a cost. But they said, yes, because that's what God was saying to them. Or um, I think of one of our mission partners, you know, God's kingdom advances when uh, our top class linguistics, Cambridge linguistics students got to the end of her degree and said, yes to going to tanzania and signing up with wycliffe bible translators and seeing god's kingdom happen happen there amazing stories of what god's doing or i you know thinking of uh, uh, many of us you know uh, god's kingdom advances when hard-working professionals such as ourselves and you know i think students you can maybe fit yourself into that Hardworking professionals um you know where when it comes to our well-earned weekends or our holidays, where we could just be taking a rest, we're actually going to say, no, I'm going to go away for a week and help on a summer camp to tell kids about Jesus. Or I'm going to go and help on a weekend uh, on, a, on a project to go and uh, clear up a place and tell people about Jesus. That kind of thing. Or, um, uh, you know, we've just had the adoption uh, uh, session on Quick for Life. It, God's kingdom advances when a family that's stable and has got things relatively sorted listens to God's call, and it does have to be God's call to open up that family to, to kids that might bring uh, uh, challenges. And, 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 and it may not be as neat as it was before, but boy, it's got at it work. You see, I don't think this passage and all that Jesus is saying is really primarily about giving things up. I think it's primarily about not giving up on saying yes to Jesus. Not letting those things get between us and following, following him. It's about saying yes to him without reserve and saying yes and saying yes and saying yes. And of course, um, we kind of see this a bit more obviously when it's the big things. Maybe you can look back in life and you can see, wow, there was this big decision in front of me. Go left for Jesus, go right for some evil thing or whatever it is. Really obvious to spot. Um, but actually, also, it's true, isn't it? That isn't it in the day to day little comforts and creature comforts and pleasures that grow up like weeds in the, in the, in the parable of the sow? The things that choke us are just the small things often as well. It's those questions that we have, the daily ones, like, will I be willing to get up just a tad earlier to start my day with God? Or maybe uh, to come and serve on the kids' team on a Sunday morning. 9.30 on a, month, on a Sunday morning, can you believe it? Or, um, well, it's earlier than that, isn't it? I mean, come earlier than that. Don't mean to put you off, but it is very early. Um, or, 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 or to be free, you know, to choose to give up a free evening once a week, to commit maybe to a home group, maybe to one of these organizations that we showcased uh, in a few weeks' time to say, no, I'm going to be a committed uh, to this thing. Or maybe it's just our personal pride, our awkwardness, you know, all us introverts out there, when there's an opportunity and a friend is talking about how they're struggling to talk about Jesus. It's just such a small comfort thing just to let go of. Or, or um, to go camping in the summer, to meet with the Lord at something like new wine or something like that, you know, just to take say, oh, I'm going to sacrifice my you know, chalet by the beach to come and meet with the Lord I don't know what it is it's these small things, isn't it, often as well as the big things that get between us and the call of Jesus so, to, to close Jesus has so much fruitfulness for you, everyone here in, in this room, it he he has he has a plan for us as a church he has a plan for you things he wants to do in you and through you and that is his heart for you will you say yes to him so here's the question we're, we're just leaving ourselves with where is comfort coming between you and saying yes to the call of jesus at the moment because it's worth saying yes